I'm not doing great. <laughs> In fact, I can't remember the last time I felt this bad. I think I'm having, I think I'm going through, why is it so hard? <laughs> I think I'm going through another depressive episode. <sighs> like, why am I getting so emotional? Like nothing has happened. <sighs> Literally overnight, I went from being completely fine to feeling really, really low out of nowhere and I it's not I'm not sad I know it's not just being sad because because nothing in my life has happened for me to be sad like my life's good nothing bad has happened there's nothing that's changed in the last two days that's caused me to feel this way um, and I recognise these feelings. These feelings are the feelings I had when back when I was really, really depressed. And it scares me. Um, and I always, there was always that fear in the back of my head that it will come back. Uh, but I guess I just wasn't prepared for it. Um, uh, I don't feel good about myself. I feel really... I'm confident, I'd say. Um, I don't want to show myself to the world. It's almost like a switch has gone off in my head and it's just, I think, so low about myself. And I don't know where it's come from. And I know it's just in my head. And I know that I sound really crazy right now. But this is how I feel. Like, I'm always on the brink of crying. I'm always really... Emotion, I don't know why. Literally three days ago I was fine. <laughs> and which makes me sound so crazy. Um It's dark in here. My heart used to beat with colours. But now the lightest light that I see is a shade of gray. Charcoal gray. I used to love. I remember those times when loving was just so easy. I used to dream. I remember when every dream, man, it's beautiful. Now all I see are nightmares and I don't even know what to do anymore. I remember I used to have a great relationship with my father and my mother, but I don't know what happened there. They brought me into this world and neglected me. They told me that they're my parents. How can I forgive my person who touched me in the wrong way how can I forgive the person who said they would always be there how can I do that it's dark in here my heart used to beat with colors but now all I see is gray even when I went to church I thought that the church house was going to be a place of safety but 
Even there, I got abused, mishandled. And now people are telling me just to get over it. Get over it. Slap a scripture on it and just get over it. Pray a prayer and just get over it. Sing a song and worship and just get over it. And I don't know how to do that. How do they do it? I have a smile on my face and I make everyone else laugh. But deep down inside, I'm just crying each and every day. I'm the life of the party. But when I go back home, I feel like I'm dying inside. But God, you you just said that you were my shepherd and I shall not want. You said that you'll make me lie down in green pastures and lead me beside still waters. And you said that you will restore my soul, but my soul is dark. My heart used to beat with colors, but now the lightest color is a charcoal gray. The question is, have any of you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt like you had to put on a face in order to face life? Do you know what it feels like to ever have to go back home and deal with emotions, but yet people at church just tells you, get over it. How many times as men do we hear the phrase that we cannot cry? Real men don't cry. Today, I want to speak a message entitled, My Emotions. We're in a series right now that simply says that God's got this. What does he have? He has my emotions. And here is something that the church has not been great at. We've been great at dealing with spirituality. We've been awesome with dealing with worship. We've been awesome to teach people how to pray. But what we have not been good at is teaching people how to deal with emotions. And today I want to unpack from the series, God's Got This, My Emotions. Last week, Pastor Che brought a great word. And that word was simply that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. One of the most profound things that he said was that the Lord is my shepherd, but we have to make the shepherd our Lord. Today, I want to follow that. I want to follow that with a question and a test that's going to either prove to you if you have made the shepherd your Lord. The next verse simply says in Psalms 23 that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The number one test that you will have today to know whether the shepherd is your Lord is can he make you do something you don't want to do? The real test that he is your Lord is by the next verse that says he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Are you going to be a sheep that will follow him? Can he make you take a break? I do believe that COVID-19 happened. And I also believe that God allowed in this season for us to get some rest. But the real question is, did we take it? 
Isn't it amazing that even in a pandemic that God is so good that he will make you stay inside with your family, make you lie down. And look at this. The next part is that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. It's amazing because in this season, I feel like, man, I've paid off more debt. God has still been faithful. But in this season also, we've had to deal with some other issues. He leadeth me beside still water. I want you to recognize right here, there's always going to be a calming before clarity. There's always going to be a calming before clarity. Notice he leads me by still waters. He settles everything around. And it's because he wants to have a relationship. He wants to have this surgery. He wants to open us up. So he leaves me in a place of calm, of peace, so that he can bring clarity to what's deep inside. He restores my soul. The soul deals with the heart, the mind, the seat of the emotions, my soul. But this is the one area that we don't pay much attention to. We talk about favor and grace and all this other stuff. But let me tell you something today. God wants to deal with your soul. The first thing that I wanted to let you know is that there are a couple of things that will cause your soul to deteriorate. And the number one thing that I want to deal with this morning is called grief. You know what grief is. That heavy sorrow that comes at the loss of something. See, I don't know about you, and I don't know what you're grieving this morning, but I remember two years ago, two years ago, from this exact month, my ex-wife decided she didn't want to be married anymore. I remember how that felt. I remember hearing those words come from her mouth and being utterly shocked. Didn't even know what to do in that moment. The biggest question that I had was why? I thought things were good. I thought everything was good. We made vows to each other. We promised that we was going to be together. Only to find out that those vows were taken back. Grief. I remember feeling this weight in my chest and it just, it stayed there. I remember my heart pounding because I had all of these thoughts in my mind. What am I going to do next? I'm a worship pastor at Word of Truth Family Church. And now I'm going to have to deal with going through all of this by myself. And you know how people could be. The church is notorious for stoning people. Especially divorce. All I remember was just sitting on my couch, y'all. Just sitting there trying to figure out what am I going to do next. I remember going to work. And when I got back home. I walked up the stairs, I opened the door, and on this particular day, everything was gone. All her clothes, all her books. And I remember in that moment, I was just praying that at least one item would have been left because that would have given me some kind of hope that my marriage could be restored. But when I searched the entire apartment, I realized that everything that she brought in, she took with her. Grief. There are five stages of grief. And I want you to understand something. That the five stages of grief, grief is denial, anger, bargaining, 
depression and acceptance. Even in that moment right there, I'm telling you, I felt sorrow, but I also felt anger. Anger because I used all my money to make sure that we were good. Anger. Have you ever felt that kind of anger? Have you ever felt that in the midst of grief? You got mad at God for taking somebody. You know the scripture, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. And we wrap our minds around that ideology and that scripture. And so we get mad at God. God, how could you allow my son to die? How could you take my grandmother? How could you allow me to be born with horrible parents and all of this stuff? And that's the grief that you're carrying around. Can I tell you today that although you had facades and you've always felt like you had to wear a mask, that the Lord wants you to be real with him. He doesn't care about this fake face that we put on. He wants you to be real with him today. Let God relieve my grief. Here's the thing. Not all of the things in life that damage us are things that we bring upon ourselves. Many times that grief comes from another person. So the question is, what do you do when your heart is breaking? You can let Jesus restore your soul. In Psalms 31, 9, it says, Lord, have mercy because I am in misery. My eyes are weak from so much crying and my whole being is tired from grief. Isn't it amazing that that kind of sorrow will even make you feel lethargic? Some of you are drinking so much coffee right now, but it's not that you are lacking energy because of something that you didn't get your caffeine. No, you're lacking it because you are holding on to something that God today is asking you to let it go. Let it go. Lord, have mercy on me because I am in misery. Here's the thing. You have to know how to own it. I am in misery. Stop acting like you're happy and be okay with saying, I'm, I'm not okay. But here's the issue. With church people, we have been taught to say I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> how you doing today, brother? Oh, the Lord is good. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. And those churchy things just aren't happening anymore. We are tired of dealing with that. It's time to be real. It's time for us to finally realize that God wants to deal with the things that are dark. The five stages, denial. Some of you are denying grief simply because you don't want to address it. You don't want to talk about the thing that is really bothering you. So you'll just act like it never happened. And that's your defense. To just make it just not be in my mind. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with grief. Here's the problem with it. It's that if you don't address it, you'll never get to acceptance. And I believe that grief is a process that we must go through. But the problem about going through grief is that many of us get stuck in it. And when you get stuck in grief, you start to make your whole identity around one of the five steps. Some of you are angry every day now and you just say, this is who I am. I just tell people off and this is just who I am. You have built an identity around a phase. 
You have built an identity around a stage. You have built identity within a process that God says, I never intended for you to camp out in grief. I intended for you to go through it, to make it to the end, to make it all the way to the state of acceptance. So how do you handle grief? You accept what you cannot change. Come on, somebody put that in the comments right now. I must accept what I cannot change. I couldn't change my wife from walking away. I couldn't change and I couldn't stop her from doing it. She has free will. She has the right to do it. Even if God called us to be together, she has the right to walk away. So because I couldn't fix it, all I could do was say, I accept it, Lord. I will accept what I cannot change. Some of you have been hurt by parents, partners, and peers. This is the first key to your peace of mind. It's when you accept what cannot be changed. Woo! This would be good today if somebody can get this. The next part is that pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. <laughs> Listen, all of us are going to experience pain in some kind of way. Pain is coming with life. Life is like a party. <laughs> life is like a party. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and every party has to end at some point. But pain is definitely going to be jumping in your life. Pain is going to find a way to enter into your house. Pain is going to find a way to enter into your heart. So do not deny the fact that you are going to have pain. Do not act like pain is not coming near you. It's coming. Trust me. But pain is inevitable. But misery is optional. I have the right to stay in misery. Or I have the right to pack my bags up and say, I'm getting up out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. Somebody put that in the comments. Pain is inevitable. But misery is optional. The last thing that I want you to realize is that you must focus on what's left and not on what's lost. You know, even when my ex walked away, I could have focused more on what left my life. But the Lord allowed me to see what I still had. I still had a church family. I still had a worship team. I still had a band. I still had executive staff. I still had my friends that were around me and they allowed me to be human. They allowed me to cry. They allowed me to feel what I was feeling, but they picked me up and they said, you know what? We still got you. And so I got better meals because Pastor Sarah started making meals for me. I got invited to cookouts. Yeah. <laughs> I got invited to the movies with friends and, and I started realizing I, I didn't lose as much as I thought. I'm still good. But the enemy does not want you to focus on what is left. He wants you to focus on what was lost. I hope this is blessing somebody today. Here's the part two that I want to deal with. The first, the first one was grief. The second one is guilt. Nothing destroys a soul quicker than guilt. In Psalms 38, 4, it says, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me. And my health 
is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Here, there are two problems with guilt. Number one, we all have plenty of reasons to feel guilty. (laughs) See, that's another issue. We don't like to accept the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't like to actually just say, you know what? I messed up. I messed up. Let me tell you something. The number one thing that would get you through a season of trying to, uh, of being stoned by other people is just fessing up. Just saying, hey, I did it. Own it. We all have plenty of reasons to feel guilty. Many of you may say, you know what? I wasn't the best parent. I wish I would have did this. Some of us feel guilty. I wish I never would have met that person and done what I did. Oh my God, what about abortions? Feel guilty for taking a life. Some of us have even done things that have put us in prison. Guilt, guilt, guilt. It's something that stays in your heart. You have plenty of reasons to feel guilty. That's not the issue. Number two is we can't get away from it. It's in our mind. And that's the, that's the kicker right there. Is that when grief and guilt comes in your life, it stays in your mind. There's a cognitive part of your mind where you're thinking. There's an effective part of your mind where you're feeling. And then there's a cognitive part of your mind where you're doing. We can't get away from it. It's just circling in our minds. And what happens is when we are dealing with guilt, many a times we don't allow ourselves to be free. We keep beating ourselves up over and over and over again, just simply saying, man, I wish I would have did that. Why did I do that? Today, do you know what it's like to feel guilt? Hmm. How do you get rid of guilt? There are a lot of options. You can deny it, pretend it doesn't exist, of course. You can minimize it. It was no big deal. That's not a big of sin. You can compromise it. You can lower your standards. Or you can rationalize it. Rationalize mean rational lies. <laughs> you can either blame other people. I'm like this because you didn't do this and you didn't do this and they didn't do this. Or most of us just beat up ourselves the entire time. But here's the thing. There is really only one solution to your guilt. You must give it to God. Can I tell you something else that's beautiful about guilt? Yeah, I said beautiful. It humbles you. Guilt will eventually humble you. You think you all that, but when you focus on how dirty you are, when you got caught in something, it will bring you back down. But here's the beautiful part of it. When you come down, that's where God wants to meet you. He doesn't want to meet you on your high, on your prideful side. He wants to meet you when you come down. He wants to show you there's no place that you can go that my grace cannot find you. There is no weight of sin that is present that I cannot carry. There is nothing that you have done that is so bad that I cannot fix. God wants to handle what you're holding on to. God wants to handle what you're holding on to. You know, one of the things that really kills me about guilt is that even when you have gotten to a place where you have gotten over it, People won't let you get over it. 
People will keep reminding you of the sin that you committed and they'll try to find a way to remind you. So even when you have relinquished the feeling, people will represent it back to you. <laughs> you know, I'm reminded of a scripture in the Bible and it, I think it's found in John 8. It, it, it talks about this woman. Let's read the scripture and says this. It says, Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him and he sat down and he taught them. So I want you to get this. There was a crowd gathering around Jesus and Jesus started teaching. Watch this next part. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? The woman, I want you to see this now, the woman was literally caught in the act of adultery. Somebody put caught. Type it in there, caught. She couldn't get out of this one. Because I'm pretty sure she was still naked. Have you ever felt naked? exposed for all the world to see. And here's the issue. They did not just leave her exposed. They got her from a place of being naked, vulnerable, weak, exposed, guilty. And they carried her guilty self, exposed self, naked self into the presence of a crowd, into the presence of the church, into the presence of Jesus. Here's the issue. <laughs> they thought they were exposing her sins, but they messed around and exposed her sins to the shepherd. <laughs> See, they messed around and took her to Jesus. Jesus, the good shepherd, is sitting there looking like, you're going to bring me this broken woman, but I do well with broken things. And I want to let you know, I know some people have exposed you. I know some people have, have made you feel even more guilty of the things that you've done, but they messed around and brought her to Jesus. The best place for this woman to be. This woman was, was guilty, called naked and ashamed. They exposed her sins in hopes that she would be stoned. But she found safety because of the good shepherd. This is what they said, tempting him, that they might accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. <laughs> Man, I can feel good about that because listen, I don't know about you. I know what it's like to have a team of people to just throw you out there. And many of you know what that feels like. You already feel guilty for whatever it was that you did. But now that's not good enough. They have to expose you to the world. Me Too movement, cancel culture. Many of us understand what it's like to be exposed. But what if I told you the way your critics are handling you while you're exposed, it's not how Christ is going to handle you. Man, if we could open up our hearts to God and allow God to heal the places of guilt, I wonder what would happen in our lives. Now, this is where I notice right here. Jesus, Jesus was so dope. Jesus, 
<laughs> he started writing in the ground. Because this woman was already messed up. This woman, I'm pretty sure she's right before Jesus. You know, you don't want Jesus to, to bust up in your room while you're doing something crazy. Matter of fact, what about you were doing something crazy and then, you know, Pastor Evan comes and gets you and then just takes you right on to church. And now, you remember them old churches where you had to stand in front of the entire church and tell your sins? Oh, maybe y'all didn't grow up in that type of church. No, I dealt with that type of church. The type of church where if you got somebody pregnant, they pregnant, they had to come in front of the entire church. Stop the worship. Worship for what? No, it don't matter. No, you're going to stand right here and you're going to tell your sins. Isn't that something? That guilt can bring you before crowds because people don't want you to be free from it. So they brought her to Jesus. But Jesus is so dope. So dope. He he goes into the ground and he starts to write. The crowd is saying stoner, but Jesus is writing. I want to let you know this morning, Jesus is still writing. I know people are writing you off, but Jesus is still writing. He's not done with you. It's not over. I know you feel guilty in this season, but it's not over. And I just always wondered, what did he write in that ground? What did he write in the dirt? What did he write? I believe he wrote, I got this. I got this. I know they're ready to stone you, but I got this. I know you was caught in the very act of adultery, but I got this. I know you feel low to the ground and you feel like you are nobody, but listen, sweetheart, chill out. I got this. They brought you to the right person. Can I tell you this morning that your haters introduced you to your heavenly father? And what other people would use against you to stone you, God says, that's the very thing that I would do and I would use to secure you. I want to secure my love for you. And even in your lowest point, I want to meet you right there and let you know, I know you was caught in sin and I know you deserve to be stoned, but there's safety with the shepherd. There is safety with the shepherd. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground and which and they which heard it being convicted of their own conscience went out one by one. Because after he wrote, he just simply says, he without sin cast the first stone. Go ahead. Stone, stone, stone this woman. Stone this woman if you don't have sin. That's guilt. Man, isn't that amazing? Look at this last part. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And Jesus was left alone and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst by one statement she was left with the shepherd in a place of guilt she was left with the shepherd in a place where she was so low caught in the very act she was left with the shepherd when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Watch this, Neither do I condemn thee. 
Go and sin no more. That sounds like a good shepherd to me. <laughs> Lastly, I want to deal with grudges. Our souls have become heavy because we have not learned how to relinquish grudges. Grudges is something that is very prevalent right now because look at the times of racial injustice. Look at the time with racial division. Some of us are having a hard time dealing with all of this. Some of us were alive to see Martin Luther King march. Some of us marched with him. And some of us still haven't forgiven that person of a different race for what they did to our family. Maybe that's why I really don't care too much about the other side. Maybe that's what shaped my political views. Maybe that's why I really have a problem with Black Lives Matter. Maybe that's why I have an issue when there's a topic that I don't agree with and it comes from a different party or a different race that I don't agree with that I cannot even, I feel something inside of me. Ugh, I just, ugh. Maybe it's not even about the Black Lives Matter movement. Maybe it's not about Republican or Democrat. Maybe you're holding on to something that happened to you years ago. And you are holding on to a grudge. What is that grudge? I wanted to talk about this. Grudges come from what other people do to me. How you handle resentment of life determines whether you're going to be a bitter person or a better person. See, I don't know about y'all, but I can be honest with you. I remember having a SWAT team called on me. A SWAT team. Y'all, I never smoked weed, never got drunk. I didn't know what, I really didn't know what weed looked like, if I can be honest. You could have put weed right here and parsley flakes right next to it, and I wouldn't have been able to tell you the difference. But here they are, they're telling me that I am selling drugs. They called the cops on me, and I'm talking about they had a SWAT team that was called. I remember getting out of a car with a lady who was about 55 years old that was running a revival. Running the revival. And she was pouring into my heart, pouring into my spirit, pouring into my soul. And the word of God was coming forth in the car and she was ministering to me, prophesying to me, all of these things. And all I could remember was seeing somebody run by like, what was that? And the next thing I see the bushes moving, I'm like, what is going on? The next thing I know, I'm like, there are 50, about 50 police officers coming out of nowhere, guns drawn. One bad move, I would not be standing here before you today. Found out the only reason they came is because somebody said, there's a black man in a truck and a drug deal is going down. We're just sitting here talking about the Lord. I personally know what it's like to have an offense to hit you so hard. And in that moment, I had a choice to either have this resentment in my heart towards police officers forever, to hold a grudge in my heart forever. And some of you, my brothers and sisters, you know what it's like to be pulled over and talked to in different kind of ways, and it's not right. 
You can't stop the offense from happening, but you can stop your heart from hardening. So today I can still say I love police officers because all of them aren't bad. I can forgive those officers for how they treated me, but I don't have to deny that it happened. I don't have to act like it didn't happen. I don't have to act like, as if there are things that are going on that huh? we have to accept it and we have to address it. But we also have to realize that God wants to deal with that resentment in our hearts. How you handle resentment, how you handle that offense, how you handle that unforgiveness is going to either make you bitter or better. So what do I do with all the hurts that have piled up? What do I do with it? I got to give it to God. Because God cannot handle what I hold on to. God cannot fix what I'm fixated on. As long as it's in my hands, God cannot do anything with it. But the moment I relinquish it from my hands, I give it over to the Lord. Listen to this. Resentment never hurts the other person. It only hurts you. I, I heard somebody say this before. It, um, they said that, that resentment is like drinking poison yourself, but expecting the person that offended you to die. Whew. Isn't that amazing? You're going to hold on to something. You're drinking from that bitter cup, but only in hopes that the person that, uh, that wounded you would die from it. Killing yourself trying to kill them. Romans 12, 19 says, Dear friends, never avenge yourself. Come on, put there and say, I don't have to defend myself. Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it. Says who? The shepherd. He says, you don't even have to worry about taking <laughs> your no-claw self to the fight. You ain't got to worry because you're just a sheep anyway. You ain't got to worry about bye, bye, bye. No, no, no. Don't even go and talk to the wolf. I'll take care of the wolf. Just stay in my safety. I'll take care of your enemy. Just stay close to me. Stay next to the shepherd because I want to handle what you cannot handle. But here's the issue. If you don't let it go, he cannot handle it. That grudge in your heart towards your parents and your friends and your family or that ex or the peers. It's only killing you. It's only causing you to lose. It's only causing you to have a withdrawal out of your life. The Lord says today, I want to fix that. In the meantime, don't avenge yourselves. What should I do instead then? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The biggest issue is this. I've always had people tell me, you got to forgive, you have to forgive, you have to forgive. But they make forgiveness feel like an event. They make, they make forgiveness feel like it's an event. It's like an occasion. It's like a party. We're going to have a forgiveness party. 
after we come and party at this forgiveness party, I'm never going to feel it again. I'm never going to think about it again. I'm supposed to forget. That's not true. Forgiveness is a journey. You know, I, I remember that scripture that says, um, forgive your, your brother seven times 70. And it never made sense because I'm just like, okay, so what happens once I've reached that limit? <laughs> what am I supposed to do then? Now, is it okay for me to hold on to it? No, what the Lord was showing me is that every time that offense comes up in your spirit, every time that offense comes up in your heart, that's the moment to forgive again. Forgive it again. Forgive it again. Today, the Lord wants to deal with your soul. The shepherd is asking you, come here. Let me make you lie down in green pastures. Let me bring a calm before the clarity. Let me restore your soul. Let me do it. So you tried the self-help books, and that didn't work. You tried alcohol, that didn't work. Let me do it. And let me tell you something. Restoration is a process. Stop thinking that when something is being restored, it's going to happen immediately. It doesn't. It may take you some time, but when the Lord is dealing with you, whew, when he's dealing with you, when he's restoring you, you're in good hands. And some of you ought to just be like, you know what? I'm not where I really want to be, but I'm better. I'm better. I'm better because God is still restoring me. God still has his hand on me. I'm better. I used to be this way, but I'm, I'm halfway there. Continue to lay there and let the Lord restore your soul. Don't deny it. It's okay to say I'm not okay. It's okay to have emotions. Don't let emotions have you. And don't let someone rush the process for you. Understand that the Lord cares for, about who you are. So today, God wants to deal with your grief. The loss. That heavy heart. Today, God wants to deal with your guilt. Lastly, God wants to deal with grudges. And I believe that right now, the Lord is healing you. I believe right now, the Lord is freeing you from those three Gs. You may say, Pastor Polo, this was me. I didn't even realize that I was still holding on to so much. I didn't realize that I was dealing with so much. And yes, I feel so low right now. Or, or yes, you awakened some things in my heart that I didn't even realize were still there. God wants to deal with that today. God wants to restore. See, he's not afraid of the dark heart that you have. He's not afraid of the dark spaces in your life. He is too much God to be afraid of what's dark. So I pray right now that you find peace in knowing that the shepherd is restoring your soul today. Why are you going to hold on to something when he can handle it? Many of you right now, I know you're watching through your screens. I just want to pray a prayer for you right now. Father, I pray for every heart and soul that is 
watching me right now, God, I pray that you allow them to know that you're the good shepherd, that they can admit to what they're feeling and they can show you the raw them, the broken them, the parts of them that are full of grief, the parts of them that are full of grudges and the parts of them that are full of guilt. That Father, you care about their souls. You care about their emotions. So Father, I just pray right now that you allow them to feel your love. That you allow them to feel your care for them. That they find mercy. That they find grace. That they feel you wrapping your arms around them. I pray that You'll even lead them, God, to to find counseling, God, and, and that they'll talk with their pastors and spiritual leaders and that they'll start opening up about the things that they have kept hidden within. Father, we thank you for being that good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, somebody may say, you know what? I want to make this shepherd my Lord. Well, today, you can do that.